Hello and welcome to this edition of Pointcast. Thank you all for joining us again. Um, I'm your host, Francine Dash, and in studio today we have Miss Olivia Stapleton. Olivia, thank you so much for sitting in with me. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Now, you are an Indianapolis native from the South Side. Tell me, you grew up on the South Side for the most part? Yes, born and raised. What was that like? What schools did you go to? And how was life on the South Side? The majority of my schooling on the South Side was at Garfield um, Elementary School Mm -hmm. and at a wonderful daycare called Concord. Uh. Um, Currently now I'm in a customer service logistics rep for a transportation <laughs> company mm-hmm. and a aspiring artist awesome. um, I've been heavily immersed in art my whole entire life mm-hmm. um, and I always seen art just being on the the, the, the south side and then going to Concord mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we were encouraged to create art in the community mm-hmm. so that's kind of okay, where okay I got my start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now you're one of those, uh, if you're a homegrown Indianapolis person, you've had to have hit other sides of town Yeah, <laughs> growing up. Yeah, I, I kind of pride myself on living on literally every side of town <laughs> from 42nd and Post um, to uh, Greenwood, right, where right, I, went, right. I went to Perry. That was where my high school days were lived out Perry Meridian yes Perry Meridian High School okay Um, so I've seen a lot of things in my day Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of people say I'm an old soul but I just think it's because I've I've witnessed you know living in a low-income area all Mm -hmm. the way up Mm -hmm. to something that would be middle class Mm -hmm. even though Mm -hmm. I didn't fit that picture Mm -hmm. and knowing Mm just how that feels to to make that transition right right well how was that that had to have been there had to have been some challenges growing up um and and being as you say low income what was that like for you as a child and going to school did you did you feel like you were any different than the other children did you know or is this you reflecting back as an adult it's mostly me reflecting back and I would say the reason I didn't know that I was low income is mm-hmm. thanks to my my mom and dad. Um, they uh, split up at a very uh, when I was a very young age. I don't really remember a lot of that, mm-hmm. and we actually lived in Kokomo, Indiana, too. So mm. <laughs> <coughs> right, taking a tour of the state. Yeah, <laughs> we lived in Kokomo, but it wasn't on good terms. We actually got. Um, my my parents divorced and my mom just wanted to seek refuge there mm-hmm. and we were in a women's shelter and I didn't know it until I got older because I said mom what was that place we lived at where there was a lot of kids and women and stuff like that and mm-hmm. she's like well we had to live in a shelter for a long time but the environment was so nice and mm-hmm. we got to take trips so I didn't really think of it as a shelter like when people think of sh- shelters they always go to the the negative like mm-hmm. but it was a fun time in my life and I didn't have to experience an environment of turmoil mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at a very young age. Mm-hmm. So I was very, I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going on to um, elementary school, uh, like Garfield was a wonderful school. I didn't really start to encounter that, like knowing the difference that I was in a poor area <laughs> until mm-hmm. I went to John Marshall. <laughs> and um, I, I would say the South Side is really a, a gem because the the crime and the poverty it's not as apparent, and I don't mm-hmm. think it's put in media the same way it is in is an area like Forty Second. Everybody knows Post Road. You mm-hmm. don't go in there. It's the East Side. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think that it's either not as apparent or not as focused on? I think it has to do with 
the race. Mm-hmm. And then because there actually probably is a lower amount of crime, mm-hmm. they don't really have a lot mm-hmm. of it to report on. But there is still, you know, gun violence, robberies, everything. Even how do people on the south side know that there is crime if it's not being reported on in the media? Do, do the just the neighbors just talk about it, or how do you? I would say the neighbors talk about because even at the the job that I'm at now, I'm like, hey, I live, you know, close to the south side. And they're like, oh, around, you know, around here, around Meridian, you know, Troy area. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) but my my neighbors are wonderful people like they're middle income. Um, Like my neighbor works at a train station Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, I live in a cottage house. The people in front of me are servers. Mm -hmm. So I really... um, can I, I can easily compare myself to those people. I don't really think look at them as criminals or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. someone that would rob me. Right, so right. just because you're a server doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you, you're just, you know, scraping for survival. You could be a student. I don't really have that uh, that um, prejudice about mm-hmm, people in mm-hmm. my head. So right, right, right. to me, it's a, a really comfortable area to be in. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't really have to worry about a lot. I, I walk my dogs by myself. I always carry pepper spray no matter where I am. <laughs> right, um, right. So be you, smart wherever right, you go. Be smart, right, exactly. Right. Um, so, I, I, like I said, I think the media does a really good job of just painting a negative light. Like there, there is um, certain pockets, like let's just say 38th Street by the the. Uh, the fairgrounds mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they built that new mm-hmm. playground area for mm-hmm. the children mm-hmm. to just you know play there's no playground areas mm-hmm. over there really mm-hmm. it's a lot of liquor stores and mm-hmm. car repair shops and mm-hmm. a lot of things that kids really can't be involved in mm-hmm. but I, I like that they built that but I don't really see that in the forefront or you mm-hmm. know people just kind of praising that but there is a lot of other you know issues that are going on that side of town that mm-hmm you know, are unfortunate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned something earlier. I do want to get, get back onto this point about perception of crime in the media and even in our communities. But you mentioned something when we were coming on air about your concern for children um, and, and some of the issues that they were dealing with. I want to understand, does that come from your own childhood, perhaps? Or is that, where has that concern, and, and let's talk about that a little bit, um, your concern about children growing up and some of the issues that they have to deal with. I can say I um, that concern arose um, with just thinking about my, my brother. Mm-hmm. He... It, I, the, you would categorize him as the black sheep of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't really get through high school. Um, got into drugs, and his father wasn't in his life, mm-hmm. and our father was. And I always thought to myself, why is it that this child, you know, had a failure to launch? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And you know, me and my brother just seemed to do a little bit better. And we went to college, mm-hmm. and you know, we had the same mom, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. my parents are were divorced. Mm-hmm. And I looked back to, you know, what his his childhood was like. And he wasn't really exposed to a lot of things um, that would help him get a a leg up to Mm -hmm. know that a different life was possible. And Mm -hmm. then in college, I I was going to IPY when I was thinking to myself, I'm like, this is a million dollar university. Mm -hmm. And it's right next to one of the poorest high crime areas Hallville Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's right across a bridge Mm -hmm. so I did a video um I think has like maybe 100 views but people started commenting like thank you for shedding light on that issue like Mm -hmm. you drive across a bridge and there's no um 
there's no parks there's no um large community centers i know there's churches that do a lot of things in in that area specifically Mm -hmm, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of abandoned houses it's not safe to walk around in my opinion Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. people don't go over there but it's right next to a university that's thriving Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you see a little Mm regentrification but there's no involvement in the community Mm -hmm. i don't from the university's part yes Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. these kids are hopefully going to be going to that school and I, I could just mm-hmm. imagine how I would feel if I was from Hallville and I'm like, this is what my area looks like and all this money is going to this university, but none wow. of the, these, um, like, where, you know, how did my mom manage to raise me with the, you know, if you were in a single parent household right, and right. you just kind of reflect back on like, how, how did my parents do it? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Seems even more amazing when yes. you become an adult. Yeah, because right? yeah. on the South side, my mom had Concord and that's like a low income daycare. Like mm-hmm. she could afford that working at etching. It was mm-hmm. a glass company mm-hmm. she used to work at. Um, but I, you know, mm-hmm. she had assistance as well. She had support. Right? Yeah, she had support. Mm-hmm. But I just sat there and thought, I'm like, how do these parents do it? Mm-hmm. How are they expected to raise a productive member of society with no resources? Mm-hmm. And there's no jobs in this area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you're the environment that that kid would have to be grown up hearing gunfire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can do something to a person to hear gunfire all the time. I remember one of the things my father said when he was in Vietnam is that he couldn't get the sound of gunfire out of his head for years after he left, and he still deals with that. Um, talking about um, the children and that disparity that you're 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 mentioning, um, and the economy and no jobs in that community. Um, right now, there are, are there is a, t- a lot of talk about this being the best economy that we have ever had. And what you've just shared with me is in contrast with that. So what are our elected officials missing? Where are they missing the boat if they think that this is the best economy that we've ever had, but you're saying you're seeing something different? What are they not seeing? What do they need to see? I think they need to see that um, if we want safer streets, if we think we have the best economy, we can't ignore a whole you know social class of people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. think that these problems are just going to disappear mm-hmm. um, and and just lean on the fact that, you know, this person, oh, uh, even though they were raised in a low-income area, doesn't mean they have to be this way. I'm like, but what what are the chances? What, what chances did they have given, you know, mm-hmm. the way they've grown up? And I, and I think they need to focus on trying to create a p- program that will, like, facilitate those the needs of the children like mental health care services Mm -hmm. just being more available to lower income people like Mm -hmm. I'm 26 now and this Mm -hmm. is the first time I've had a job that where I could go see a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. or Or you had the benefits afforded to you right right okay Um, or even knowing that I could do that or mm-hmm. that's something that is normal, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I didn't even know like an adult, even if you don't think anything is wrong, I think you should just go, <laughs> just, go to, just go have a chat, check right. in, check in. And well, you, you know, know, people have physical checkups and mental checks up, checkups are feasible and a good thing to do, um, I believe. Speaking of mental illness, we've spoke earlier about how mental illness is not treated in certain communities as it should be in the medical or healthcare 
uh, category. It's treated in the criminal justice law enforcement category. And we have people, and, and you've talked about some of your experiences and some of the things that you've seen where people who should be in receiving mental health care are instead funneled through the criminal justice system. What what are, I, I want to talk about your thoughts on that a little bit more and kind of understand where that comes from for you. Well, my I mentioned my brother earlier and just really understanding, you know, why he he couldn't really get a good footing and still struggles to this day um, in this world and just finding his place. Um, at a very young age, he was diagnosed at 20 with schizophrenia. Mm. And even the doctors told my mom, like, that's not, you know, normal. But my mom had never even, you know, we don't have anybody else in our family that struggles with that. Mm-hmm. So um, she tried her her best to get him involved in a program, adult and child. And there were certain instances where, you know, they would switch his medication because when you are diagnosed with he's a schizophrenic bipolar, mm-hmm. um, they run you through a lot of medicines. And in between those times, you may have episodes. And when my, my mom is not a trained healthcare professional, mm-hmm. she's just Jackie. <laughs> she would uh, Jackie the mom, <laughs> yeah, the mom, though, seriously, right, she's, right. she's my superhero. Mm-hmm. She would call the only people that you know you call 911 when something's wrong right, and right. they would treat it like he was a man man a madman on the run with a gun and they couldn't really talk him down like mm-hmm. they're not trained and mm-hmm. you know that's a government issue I mean I don't I can't call him I can't call a meeting with the town or whatever mm-hmm. or maybe talk to some of my local cops <laughs> but you know it's something that should be implemented because uh, it is it is a crisis just like the the opioid now mm-hmm. it, now that it's so you know it's such a big problem now we're like okay let's right. you know but mental mental health but um, even opioid, just criminalizing it that that's been existing in certain communities for a long time right and mental illness has as well so is this our new opioid crisis right because <laughs> right. it is it, i mean it's a healthcare. even the opioid opioid crisis is a healthcare concern because now people it is. getting yeah now it is mm-hmm. exactly um but back to the point about um just having our officials trained on how how to keep the situation to where you're not criminal criminalizing the individual for having a mental outbreak so, right um how has that been on uh i'm sure it's been a stressor on the family dynamic but for your brother uh, has, do you feel that he's starting to receive the support that he needs long-term? Or is he still considered more someone that's handled in the criminal justice side or I, category? I would say it's both. Both, really? Yes. Um, just judging by what happened the last time, he was supposed to, he has his, his medicine driven to him by his uh the people who take care of him, which would be adult and child. And mm-hmm. there was just a miscommunication with a very, you know, say, you know what, a schizophrenic person mm-hmm. not going without medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they told my mother, you know, we're going to drop this off to him. And they never checked in on him. And they monitor, they live in group homes and they live with other people. They're supposed to be monitor- monitoring their activities. Okay. And it's just kind of like they dropped the ball. Um, and he just went missing for two days and then was arrested and 
Now, did the police know when when the report was, I assume some report went to the police, did, were they notified that he was a mental health patient under care, or did they approach this as a standard missing person, or what, what was the approach? It was a standard missing person, but when he started, so he, he the whole story was he ended up uh like getting somehow getting up to Boone County Mm. and taking someone's car Mm. um and that's how they found him and then another instance I was gonna ask how he he got to Boone County I don't know (laughs) to this day we still don't know and then the second instance is where he was he left his group home he went downstairs or downstairs downtown Mm -hmm. and he was trying to jump off a building and someone found him okay yeah because my mom my my mom simply can't keep him at her house but she would try her best you know, it's not safe for her. Right, but right. Um, both instances, he was, you know, detained. Um, the second one, obviously, you can't go, you know, taking someone's car. But right. I would say is the most care that he got when he was incarcerated was that they gave him his medicine mm-hmm. and they gave him a place to lay his head. But there was no during now that he's out, he is in a facility, adult uh, child that they are they are given a counselor mm-hmm. they take them to you know go to the y mm-hmm. they do different activities with them so i don't know why that wasn't continued when you know he was incarcerated he didn't stop being schizophrenic when he was detained i don't i don't right. know when oh, that's what you're saying started, so but. at no point did the, the was the the judge alerted of his of his mental state yeah definitely uh, so that was not taken into consideration when he was put in jail or sentenced and what what would have been the outcome that you feel should have taken place I'm glad you asked that because I think there are you know, like my mom, um, I told her, I'm like, you know, we don't want to talk about everything grim, but I'm like, you're not going to be here forever. So mm-hmm. I want to be able to um, help Chucky in creating a life for himself and right, what that looks right. like. Uh, but I definitely will need help from, you know, the people, the people he stays with. Right. And um, so I believe that there should be consequences for actions. I mean, right. at the, it's n- just because, you know, he that does have mental health challenges. It doesn't mean that he doesn't understand that. Mm-hmm. So I don't want anybody to think that, oh, just because you do something, there's no consequences. Right. That's not what right. I'm saying. But right. I think that, like you said, his mental state should be taken into consideration. Because mm-hmm. um, if someone's in an office and they're like, I just feel like killing myself and everyone in here, they, you know, they may take them to the psych ward, not mm-hmm. the jail. So mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. It's, obviously something's not right. <laughs> something right. And Jim right. usually shows up to work and he does his paperwork. But right. today we're doing something different. Right, right, right. So um, I, I, I've just been trying to have conversations with her about about that um because i'm now established right you know we've been leaning more towards just hiring our own therapist and finding a like a different group home because i feel like they're not doing a a really good job of finding him a job like they don't they Mm -hmm. don't do job placement there Mm -hmm. with him so he doesn't have any productive lifestyle right now so what type of expense have you all research and gotten to the point where you started to look at the costs yet yeah i have in particular with the psychiatrist and the therapist because i think he they, he he could be doing a lot better in that mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. area because mm-hmm. uh, i can i know chucky i'm his, I'm his sister right. i know that 
even from the point where he was not diagnosed, he had very a lot of trouble transitioning into teenagehood to uh-huh. adulthood, uh-huh. and he didn't have a really stable father. So I know that there was other things that never got addressed, uh-huh. um, and he didn't always behave when he was in high school. Uh-huh. And it was just uh-huh. my mom; she couldn't do everything right, for right. him. So I know that he needs a um, uh, someone to talk to and get those those issues ironed out, right, and right. also find him a a, a job that he can do like my mom was like well he can work at wendy's i was like mom he's a schizophrenic i don't even like you know I, i'm in the customer service room i right, worked right. at the ima i've worked <laughs> you know and some days i just can't do it and when people meet me they think i'm the, the most people person but i was like i don't suffer from schizophrenia right, that is not right. the right job right and well, luckily, i have to engage someone who might not be happy with the service right yeah, I'm like, yeah that'd be a challenge and there's a lot of um just speaking on jobs there's a lot of places that hire um ex um ex-cons of ex-felons ex-felons, yeah, ex-felons yeah, um yes. or mentally ill individuals like car dealerships get bad raps but in our i remember in every dealership that i worked in in the um detail department mm-hmm. is where you know there was a lot of uh teenagers with autism Mm, uh um down syndrome Uh because it's a really easy you don't have to interact with the public Uh your task is to get this car as clean as possible right and you know Uh it's just it's simple so you're saying the jobs are there you just want to put your brother in a situation where he can be trained to have a level of productivity and some semblance of independence but it sounds like he may have to have some institutionalized part in his life all of his life Mm -hmm. i don't know what his you know his exact diagnosis is but it doesn't sound like he can he's going to ever really be able to come home um and be home with his family and be safe um the way that you all would want him to be right right so when i look out at the political landscape there's a lot of talk about health care health care costs and mental health care awareness and there's some people who are talking about this very issue and wanting to make um, healthcare. Now, I have not read all of the plans, but uh, there's talk about making healthcare like this available and free for everyone. And there's talk about making healthcare like this and available for some people who buy into it. There's a different variety of, of plans out there. Have you heard of anything out there currently that you would want to that you would find interesting that would fit your family's needs is medicare for all a solution for your family or is or is something else better for your family hmm. that's a really a tough question yeah it is a tough question <laughs> a lot of politicians are having a hard time figuring that yeah. out i would say um or not even the plan what if um your brother as an adult was supported through taxpayer dollars for the care that he received and the family just simply paid for a uh, a health care plan for him that was uh, moderately priced I think that that type of plan would be more effective and I think it would most likely if I had the choice would give you more choices mm-hmm. that's that's the issue that we're running into right now you can't choose you can't choose okay. and then luckily like I said she has two established children so I'm mm-hmm. like mom you know we can we can just help. pay for it yeah mm-hmm. we can pay for it right. um luckily mm-hmm. you know there's not a lot of people like that so you have to think of others you know mm-hmm. what what 
can, you know, other people do that don't have the resources that we have or when we didn't, you know, right. this is what we had to mm-hmm. uh, to work with. So I would say just. And that gives you a certain type of freedom when you can just go and buy it yourself. Right. And you can just not worry about fussing through the limitations of this versus that. You just go get what you need. And um, so that's where your family currently is, is reviewing the, the plan that you think will work best for your brother? Yes. Well, I hope you all find that because that's a very, that seems like that's a very tough journey to be on. How old is your brother now? He is 34. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still very young. Still very young. A lot of room to be productive and and to do some good things. Before we get close to um, ending this show, I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier was um, uh, we talked about children. We talked a lot about mental health. um, But you also mentioned this... um, that there's crime and things going on in different communities and that we're not always aware of them. We hear about crime persisting in certain areas more than others, perhaps. Um, well, you've, you've given me a basic reason, but um, what what do you think needs to change? Because the way that I see crime is that it's not good for anybody. It's not good for any community. So it shouldn't be our best kept secret, right? So what should we demand as voters um, happen when crime takes place in our communities? This is going to be a very large answer. Take your time. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, goodness. I feel like when communities are regentrified, mm-hmm. what then happens to those people who live there? Mm. Where where, right. where do they go? I mean, like you said, it's a it's a it's the best kept secret because mm-hmm. people hear that and they're like, oh well, the community's going to be looking nicer and you know, but where do those people go? They go it, the crime goes somewhere, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and asking a person, you know, uh, I feel like the the candidate that I've heard something that is closest to what I'm trying to my message that or what I would want an elected elected official to say, mm-hmm. uh, Ms. Kamala Harris, mm-hmm. um, she ran a back on track program, which mm-hmm. reduced recidivism rates in mm-hmm. her, her area, um, in LA mm-hmm. particular. So mm-hmm. giving the people who had just got out of prison, um, access to job training, mental health services, things that people <laughs> that age should have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's such, I feel like that's too late in the game. You know, mm. it's something that needs to be done. But right, you know, right. when you're already, a, a, even if you're a first-time offender, and then you're finally just then getting those things and knowing that those things right. are available to you, where do you think like, it should happen? We, I think it should be between the time that you leave for college. Mm-hmm. Um, what if you don't even, go to college though? Even in high in high school, I would mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. really um, because I saw a lot of my peers where I started off when I when I moved from the south side mm-hmm. we moved to the west side mm-hmm. and I went to Guyan Creek mm-hmm. now that I'm 20 I'm seeing some of those friends that are excelling like I have a friend that's getting her master's in nursing mm-hmm. I also have a friend Darius Rose who was shot mm-hmm. down in the streets in Hallville mm-hmm. and we okay. we grew up 
together. We went to the same elementary school. So how do these outcomes happen? And he was, you know, tied up in some gang situations and mm-hmm. just seeing the, the outcomes of all my peers. And I'm like, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. You know, how are we letting, how's the system letting these people fail? Mm-hmm. Um, and Guyon Creek is in a pretty decent area mm-hmm. um, of the West Side. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when you're in high school and you see those, uh, you know, kids are misbehaving, they're not showing up for school, You, there needs to be a program in place, just like when you, you get incarcerated and you have uh, the programs where they, either they expunge your record mm-hmm. because you went a in there and you did program. a fresh start program. Mm-hmm. But what can we do prior to that? Mm, you know, preventative. Preventative. Right. What are the parents doing? Do Is there any parents in the house? Did, is this a person that has experienced a lot of death in their childhood? Like mm-hmm. all those things are important. Right. And that's, that's, that's a mental health issue in itself. You're talking about like. a wholeness or to education. Like so it's a totally different perspective to the education environment that we don't currently have in a, you know, across the board. You may have it in certain pockets, but I, I think I hear what you're saying. But starting early instead of offering it after there's already a record, doing more to deter uh, before there is and looking at some of the markers that we know exist from about third grade forward, we can pretty much, there are some so-called predictors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I hear you and having money perhaps put aside for that. So that's something that local officials could address uh, more is making more dollars available for uh, that sort of support, social service support for schools to intervene when there are children having problems progressing for whatever reason. Right, and that, and we can use, there. there's people in the community that feel very strongly about this and I'm sure they would be able to put their, their, their manpower together um, to create solutions and show these kids that, you know, I came from this area, but this is what you can be. You don't have, mm-hmm. you don't have to um, aspire to, to, to a, a life of crime or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even just end up in it, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not like you, you say, oh, I want to be a convicted felon. Yeah, no, what, no kid grows up talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a willingness that I've never had a conversation with someone and, you know, just t- having a, a conversation about, you know, crime in our area and how young people are getting wrapped up in things that they shouldn't and they're saying, no, that, you know, that's not true, you know? Right, right. So I think there there's a need for that and I, I hear it amongst my peers. So I think that even just it, having a conversation about it, a lot of people don't even talk about that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but they want to talk about crime and, and weapons. I'm like, but where, who, who gets the weapons? Like, how does this, how do, how do we get to this point? Yeah, the process that led up to. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. um, like you said, a wholeness and their education system in the educa- education system will help mm-hmm. that issue mm-hmm. in getting a more quality school counselor because mm-hmm. I had Mr. Brown, which I still know him to this day at, at Perry, but you know, some just more of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, what is going on? More Mr. Browns. Yeah, <laughs> more Mr. Browns. What is going on in school that is making, or what is going on at home in your life that is making you act out 
Like these things are important. And, or and not can, even always at home and, and someone's mental state, the way that they're processing their environment. Yep. Right, right. That is a conversation we're going to have to come back and revisit because I can see that that can be very deep on its own. But yeah. for the time we spent today, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful that you came in and talked with us and shared your voice on a lot of these really important issues. Um, 2020 is coming around really quick. You've already said that you are putting in your hat for Kamala Harris. What would would it be possible for you to vote for our current president? No. I mean, if is is he beyond your ability to support him? Yes. Um He has done some criminal justice reform. He has. What I have a really hard time getting behind is the things that he says about people that look like me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and even people who don't Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. um and you can't ignore all the social uproar that's happened since he's been in office Mm -hmm. and just knowing you have this very powerful position and this is what you're choosing to do with it and it's putting people in harm's way Mm -hmm. so are you really reforming anything you know (laughs) um and that it's sad. It's like I would like to be optimistic and think that, you know, he could change things because I live in a household with someone who <laughs> supports Trump mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't wanted to know why, you mm-hmm, know, and there's mm-hmm. there's a lot. There's some things that do make sense. But some of the other things I just like, I can't if I'm on the street with you and you say stuff like that. we. <laughs> I have nothing. I, I really I don't have as much respect for you. Right, um, right. And then there's also policies like Barack Obama had immigration reform and everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, he didn't really address. I'm like, yes, he did. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't, you didn't look, you didn't right. read up, you didn't, mm-hmm. you know, just stop talking about something you don't know anything about. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't put my vote in for him, but mm-hmm. there is policies. Like I said, every, I think if we could all just know that we have more things, struggles in common than we, right. then, then not, Mm-hmm. We could get somewhere as a people. Mm, okay. Let us let that be the final word. That is awesome. Thank you so much again, Olivia. Thank I you. appreciate your voice. Thank you to all of our listeners and to all of our past guests. And Gail, we are out. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of PointCast. As always, we'd like to encourage you to continue to plug into our social media outlets, Facebook and Twitter our website at pointcast.news, and we are now on iTunes, so feel free to look at us there as well, or take a listen, rather. We'd also like to thank all of our past guests, and we look forward to meeting all of you on August 25th at 3 p.m. in the Irvington community as we extend PointCast into the public forum. 